Welcome, this is your host, Jeremiah Latimo, and this is Gates of Perception. Welcome, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm excited to talk about and unpack today how our sexual fantasies and desires are healthy components of an empowering relationship. And the ones I want to talk about specifically are our darkest textures of sexual desire. And I want to talk about this because I haven't spoken much about this. And I think each time I have, I've shared the aspect of it that can be unhealthy and unconscious. And today I want to talk about more about the aspect of it that is, in my opinion, vital for an empowering relationship and how we can navigate these sexual desires and fantasies in a way that actually empowers us rather than rather than stifling our growth or kind of binding us to really uh, painful experiences or traumas. So today I want to talk about the importance of integrating personally and in relationship our sexual and dark sexual fantasies. And also I want to expound on the male fragility and when it comes to men actually buying into this misconception that we need a woman that is a virgin, that is pure. There's a deep misconception there that I really want to talk about and unpack. And in that also talk about the shadow aspects of our psyches when it comes to these fantasies. But specifically, when we negate, when we avoid, and when we dismiss these fantasies. And talking more about just this desire in itself for dominance, uh, a power dynamic where there's surrender, there's consensual uh, dominance and aggression, and why there is a baseline of what I would say vanilla sex that must be established and how that can actually help us feel more safer to enter into these different terrains of ourselves. Really, at the end of the day, it's about having a more intimate relationship with all of our complexities and how can we do that within partnership. So let's just jump into it. So when I say sexual dark fantasies, what I'm speaking more in, let's say, in plain English is rough sex. That desire to really be, as a masculine dominant being, to be in a position where there is a consensual and loving and safe domination over uh, the partner. And for a feminine dominant being, being in a state where there is complete surrender of control, where there is submission, where there is uh, gladly and openly taking orders, whether that is around 
your orgasm or where there is uh, just a sense of this person I'm gladly and willingly and trusting with my body and allowing myself to push my own limitations and to go beyond my own boundaries in a way and so this is really what I'm talking about is just that aspect of our psyche that aspect of ourselves as human beings that crave a certain dynamic like that and so when we push against this and I believe it is because the world that we live in makes having these conversations together as a collective or even in partnership, right? Let's say a man wanting to bring that conversation forward to his partner or vice versa. That can be a very uncomfortable conversation. And I think it's because of the culture we exist in where male domination and aggression is actually not healthy in the way that it's embodied and expressed today. It leads to a lot, a lot of issues that we see today from rape to sexual assault to uh, just subjugation of groups and collective of people where their needs are not considered, they're having power exerted and imposed upon their lives. And so when we live in a world where male aggression and dominance is something that doesn't actually feel good in our bodies, it actually leads to a lot of issues, that becomes our relationship to and we'll just call it aggression and dominance and so living in a patriarchal society which most of us do in the western world we don't really get to form a healthy relationship with aggression with dominance with these certain power dynamics and the power dynamic that we experience is one where that willingness to surrender, to follow, to yield is actually exploited. So in the relationship, even as myself, in the relationship with a society, with the culture I exist in, with in this patriarchal world, I'm essentially within the power dynamic, a submissive partner. I'm essentially the feminine because I'm being guided, I'm being led, I'm being dominated. And in this, there is actually a exploitation of my vulnerability. Because in this state of being open, being receptive, being yielding and surrendering, we are completely and utterly vulnerable. And so when we're vulnerable, this is why a lot of us don't often allow ourselves to be vulnerable in the presence of others. Because when you're vulnerable, you now are in a position to be exploited. 
And so the world we exist in is where our vulnerability has actually been exploited. Rather than encouraged, seen, held, embraced, and actually empowered, right? Where you have a vulnerable moment and after it you feel empowered to embrace more of your authenticity or uh, be vulnerable again or open your heart even more. That's an empowering experience. But as a society, as a collective, that is not our experience. Our vulnerabilities to where we have to depend on the government, we have to depend on the schools to teach us, we have to offer our children to these institutions to help raise them. This is a vulnerable position. But that is exploited, where the children are indoctrinated, the people aren't really paid well, there aren't governments and politicians showing up that are actually in favor of the people, but in favor of corporations and the people that are essentially even paying them to be in those positions. So this here, I want to paint this picture first because this is essentially our relationship, our collective relationship to this power dynamic where there's dominance and there's submission. This is our relationship to that collectively. Now you bleed into the layers, right? The more, the deeper intricacies of that. And now you have personal experiences with these power dynamics. And so that might mean, wait, my mom was really dominating. My dad was really aggressive. And in that experience, I was also exploited as a child, right? And now you go deeper into adulthood and then you realize, wait, in my experiences with men or in my experiences with women, I was overpowered. I was dominated. Uh, there was a lot of unhealthy aggression and that led me to be exploited. That led my vulnerability and my openness and my giving heart to actually be exploited in many ways. So... I share all of that to kind of contextualize our experience with this power dynamic and why the conversation in itself is often taboo. It's often uh, shunned upon for people that do crave these darker textures of love and intimacy. Some are seen as twisted, some are seen as uh, sick, uh, something's wrong with them, or they're often seen as maybe even deeply traumatized. And all of that has its place in some extent. And the aspect I want to focus on is the aspect of those desires that are actually, in my opinion, native to our design and a, an important aspect of expanding our sphere of intimacy with the person that we're in partnership with. So now we have to talk about the shadow because when we live in a world where it's not safe to actually explore these textures of ourselves, because again, maybe even as a, as a, as a man, I might not want to come off as aggressive or dominating, right? Because I'm noticing the collective image of domination and aggression that is essentially ingrained into the lives of many, many people. And I know on some level, maybe my partner has that image ingrained in herself. And so I may withhold that aspect of myself 
I may hide that aspect of myself. I may push against it. And that might be the same for my partner. She might be doing that in her own way. By actually silencing the part of herself that might want me to be more aggressive, to be more dominating in the bedroom, to actually take control a little bit more, to take charge, to maybe order her around within the bedroom. That might be a desire she might push against because the relationship she has to those aspects of herself might be one that has led her to perceive these as parts of her that make her a slut or have been drenched in shame. So on some level, both of us have these darker aspects of ourselves imprisoned within this cage of shame and guilt. And so when we're dealing with shame, right, this texture is very different from guilt. When we're working with shame, we believe that something that we want, something that we did, an action or behavior makes us unworthy of love. When we're dealing with guilt, it's something I did was out of alignment with who I know I am. So shame is a much deeper texture of this type of uh, frequency of pain because it really cuts deep at that aspect of us that wants to be worthy of love. So in the bedroom, I might push against that because I'm like, wait, this might not make me worthy of love. If I want this from my partner, if I want to bring this to our relationship, I might become abandoned. She might look down on me. She might not want this or reject that process. Or on the other side, maybe her psyche is communicating to her. This might make her unworthy of love and make her unworthy of being respected or seen or valued or cherished because she wants these types of experiences to share, create them together. So what happens then is that when these are essentially tucked under, what I would say for the male psyche, which shows up in this kind of rejection of women with sexual experiences, when we push against not only our desire to dominate and to bring this level of healthy aggression to the bedroom, when we push against that, we also might find ourselves clinging to women that purity this we we kind of cling to these uh, religious fantasies of uh, the virgin that is pure and beautiful and this is a functioning uh, unconscious protective strategy against the primal the lustful the darker textures of the masculine spirit And so religions actually embody this sense of uh, this, this shadow. And this is why most of the people that are enforcing this are the men that are priests, are the men that are taking these scriptures and kind of twisting them. And they're using that to kind of allow themselves to evade the parts of them that are deeply craving and have that lustful instinct that I would say is literally primal and native to our design. So to push against that is then to what? 
use the feminine as the scapegoat, which is what these religious institutions do. They use the feminine as the scapegoat. Oh, you're nasty. You're a slut. You're, you're an abomination. You're a whore. There's all these projections that are then pasted onto the feminine to then evade our own shadows. And so what that looks like in the modern day world is slut shaming. It's like we're labeling these women that have uh, sexual experiences, that have a body count. Like, why are we doing this as men? And this is really popular within the red pill community around this question of, you know, what is a woman's body count? And we're using that to measure her worthiness, her worthiness and whether we're going to treat her with respect or not. And so what that shapes, like really, and I've talked about this in another episode, if you haven't listened to it, it's how purity culture affects men. So when we embody this understanding that it becomes a way of life, we really take on and subscribe to this worldview in a way of like purity and putting it on a pedestal and women aren't supposed to have sexual experiences. What happens is then we are going to still crave that. We're still going to crave a woman with sexual experiences. And that's how you get men that are in marriages for years and years and years and then end up cheating by paying for sex with somebody out on the street or somebody that they find online. So what I'm saying is that it doesn't benefit men in the long term collectively to actually buy into this idea that uh, a pure woman with no sexual experiences is the best thing because we still crave a woman with experience we still want a woman that knows what she's doing but we don't want a woman that knows what she's doing because the fragility of our own egos lead us to feel and think about where she gained these experiences from And so this is actually just a symptom of our fear of rejection. Because if a woman has experiences that go beyond the relationship we have with them, then we jump to comparison. Wait, how is that experience compared to what I'm providing for her? How is that guy's physique compared to my physique? So it's actually an attempt to avoid rejection. It has nothing to do with the woman. It has nothing to do with Uh, sexual experiences and whether that's bad or good if a woman has sexual experiences so for the men listening we really need to drop that trying to essentially quantify a woman's worth based on her body count is actually very 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 immature if you live in a western society as well you're going to find that women have been in relationships since they were about 14, 15 years old. And if you're dating a woman that's about 35, let's say she's every relationship she's been in has been long-term, let's say two years on each relationship, just do the math. She's 35 now. Each of her partners throughout her life were her partners. Of course, she's going to have sexual experiences with them. So we really need to get past that. We have to get past that. We have to develop ourselves in a way where we can hold the fullness of a woman. And that means that she's a woman. You're dealing with a full grown woman who's lived a life before you, 
who's loved men before you. And that's okay. And so what I advise men to do, even in my uh, one-on-one sessions with men, I always, always encourage them. Yeah, of course, she's had these experiences, but now she's with you. She's your wife or she's your partner or she's the woman that you're going to choose to be with for the rest of your life. Can you bring your attention and awareness to where that actually now benefits you? These sexual experiences that she's had and the things that she's learned from them are now going to benefit you and your experience with her. So that is something that we can actually turn our attention towards, which is what I want to talk about here. Because now having a woman that's had sexual experiences that knows and understands her needs and desires, you have a woman that isn't afraid to explore, that isn't afraid to be curious, that isn't afraid to express her desires and her fantasies as well. And if you've gone beyond your own ego in this way, you also provide a safe space for her to also unpack the shame around these needs, around these desires, around even having these experiences. Because like I mentioned earlier, a lot of women also accumulate a lot of shame around being able to know what they're doing in certain aspects. So now going past that, now we can talk about this power dynamic and why it's so vital to an empowering relationship. Because what I found in my own experience and just my research is that there is a deep desire from the feminine to be dominated, to completely let go of control, to lose herself in order to find herself again. And so there is a certain type of dynamic that's going to support her in that sense of, let's say, self-exploration. And so it is an exploration of self because women are very, very multifaceted. They're complex and they have a infinite amount of layers to who they are, what they can embody, and the archetypes accessible to them. So these archetypes range from the maiden to the huntress to the oracle to the mother, to the divine and sacred whore, to the witch, to the bruja, to the healer and the mystic. These are just a few of all of the powerful, wonderful archetypes that the feminine has accessible to them. And so a woman wants to feel and claim her fullness. And so if she's always in the mother archetype, whether she's mothering a man or she's taking care of a household or she's uh, nurturing community, there's an aspect of her that is going to feel deeply unfulfilled. Being able to even feel into these other aspects of her, like her wildness, her capacity to even dominate, it, it's all a desire to step into her power to feel her own power. So I confidently believe that a lot of women really possess this dynamic 
to be in partnership with a man that I would say knows how to be a gentleman and knows when not to be gentle with her, right? And so this is a form of erotic intelligence that I feel allows a woman to really explore her complex desire for a man who has that capacity to dominate in the bedroom, but through safety, right? Not coercion or violence, but rather a completely consensual exploration where there's power given rather than taken or seized or uh, snatched from her. So this desire to have a man that can dominate in the bedroom is evident in the fact that women are really, really appealed and attracted to tall men. And so for me, that's an indication of women want someone that they can look up to. And so that height difference is a analogy, is a metaphor for that sense of admiration that a woman wants to have towards her partner. She wants to feel that she's led, that on some level he's developed in a way that allows her to explore areas of herself that she's never explored before or couldn't explore without his support, without his presence or without his guidance. And so there's this other layer of it in the physical nature of it that that height difference also allows a woman to feel small. And so what I've noticed is that women desire to feel small, not inferior, not less than, but small in the way that you would tend to a hummingbird if it sat on your hand, or a pearl that you found while you were walking on the beach. This relationship to an item, a precious thing that you discover, you treat it with a certain delicacy and a certain gentleness and a certain softness. So it's like tending to a beautiful, beautiful garden. And so what I notice is that this desire to feel small isn't synonymous with a desire to be seen as less than or inferior or or not important it is more about the cherishing aspect of that and what that brings when you look at something that is deeply deeply precious there is a level of care there's a level of attention there's a level of uh, i would say even delicacy and consideration that you actually, as a person holding that in your hand, you realize you have to embody. And so when a woman has a man that she can look up to physically based on their height difference and based on the strength difference, right? The difference between her body figure and his body figure, his anatomy and her anatomy, he's much larger, he's much taller, Uh, that all indicates for her this sense of protection, right? And so this is what I notice about that height difference, that desire for it is really about feeling protected. And so that 
protection also comes with the capacity to dominate as well. And so when we're talking about it sexually, it's also recognizing women want a man that can take control. And so this is also not synonymous with a man that is controlling. This is why this sense of safety is so important. Because that embodiment of a man that can dominate, that can take control, that is in charge, begins with himself. That man that's going to take control, that's going to order you around in the bedroom, that's going to take charge, that begins first with himself, being able to actually control himself, being able to control his urges, his sexual desires, being disciplined to make sure that he's still present with you, that he's not lost in some fantasy that he's now fulfilling that is completely uh, keeping him in his mind, not his body. So that setting in itself also invites the man to make sure that he's in a space to actually be a safe embodiment of love, of presence, of care. And I feel when that is present, this is really what allows the feminine to step into different terrains of herself, uncharted layers of her own feminine yearning. And so I think what I find is that in this type of dynamic, in this intimate and vulnerable, and it's deeply, deeply vulnerable. I feel a woman not only finds the space to let go of control, but to also deeply submit to her desire for love, to submit to the moment, to her own deepest desires. And so this is all within an, a setting and an environment where she's actually seen she feels deeply heard and she feels safe and cherished above everything else. So I find that this is a, when we talk about these fantasies and I, I'm sharing that these fantasies do exist. If you go under any BDSM meme page on Instagram or online, you'll find that there are a lot of women that just crave and deeply crave to be ravished to be dominated, to be led and have a man that completely takes charge in a safe and healthy way inside of the bedroom. And so when women live in a world that often strips them of their power and also shames them for their sexual desires, being in an environment, being in a space where she's loved, she's cherished, she's fully and truly seen, allows her to actually explore her relationship with freedom, with restraint, with vulnerability, with strength, with uh, limitations, in a dynamic where she gets to actually play with different archetypes of herself. From dancing between these other textures of who she fully is, right? In a setting, of course, that is completely, completely safe. And I find and I see that it is really both for both partners to allow themselves to lose themselves in order to discover something deeper between the two of them. This is why I find it to be actually empowering. Uh, this is the layer of it that I feel is actually empowering. 
because I believe it's a complete invitation. These fantasies, these desires, if you have them, if you feel them, it is a deep invitation to be passionately embraced and to also let go and allow ourselves on some level to be penetrated at the deepest level. And so it's a very, very vulnerable experience. And I think for the man, the layer of vulnerability that he explores is a little different because what I'm sharing, it has a erotic, sensual, sexual, and tantric nature to it. And so that requires the man to actually be deeply, deeply in touch with his own inner feminine in a way that honors her, in a way that cherishes her before he actually tries to bring this energy to his external feminine counterpart. Because if he doesn't, then this dance, this play, this setting is not going to feel loving is not going to feel safe is not going to feel uh, cherishing to his partner so it's a deep excavation on the man to really really get to that space within himself where he sees the feminine not as an object but really sees her fullness as something that is deeply sacred something that he must protect something that he's here to adore and to cherish and so only from that place can he actually enter into these darker textures of himself. Because these darker textures are rooted in love. They're rooted in the power of love. That is the only way these experiences can actually feel empowered, is because they're rooted in love. Not a shadow agenda, not this desire to feel powerful, to conquer my own insecurities. It's about love, and it's about surrendering to love at the deepest level. And so that's going to require me to actually let go. So in that dance, though it seems like the feminine is the only one letting go, the, the masculine in that play, in that dance, in that setting, is also being annihilated, is also shattering a lot, is also releasing and putting down his guards and allowing himself to be fully naked with his partner. So men come into these settings fully clothed, even though we're butt-ass naked, we're fully clothed. Clothed with ideas of what it means to be masculine. Clothed with ideas of what it means to be dominating, strong, powerful. And a lot of this is sourced from pornographic content we've seen throughout our lives. So the rehearsal the playback of these scenes, these moments, these things that we've read in that setting is not very vulnerable because we're following a script. And so both people are required to let go of that script, right? Because I don't doubt that the feminine is also following a script. This is what it means to be erotic. This is what it means to look like I'm enjoying this or to you know, feel pleasure. This is a script that, again, I've also been given. So it is deeply, deeply vulnerable for both people to actually go into these, into these aspects of themselves free of performance, 
free of rehearsal, free of calculations, free of expectation and deliberate determination. Because this is not about trying to get somewhere, which in most of these tantric teachings uh, also speak about. It is not about trying to arrive somewhere. And so when we're suspended from that aspect of our minds, that is constantly in the state of pursuit, trying to become something, trying to get somewhere that is not here, when we bring that to the bedroom, that is a very, very deep, vulnerable moment to just be there with our bodies, with how they look, how they feel, and exploring that and allowing ourselves to explore that while in the presence of another who's doing the same is a very vulnerable event. I want to touch on this last aspect, which is why there must be a baseline established of what we would see as vanilla sex. And the reason that's important is because for what I mentioned earlier that, you know, a lot of people are really submerged outside of their own personal will in a culture and in a society and oftentimes have been in relationships where this sense of aggression and dominance was actually against their own personal freedom and desire. So what I noticed for the feminine is there becomes a deep desire to be known beyond the body. There becomes a desire to really feel respected. And so for the masculine, if we're coming from experiences and images of sex and this type of dynamic where we're the ones that's objectifying, subjugating, and dominating over the feminine, then we also have to take some time to actually come into a space where there is nothing but just pure respect established. There is an exploration of that individual that goes beyond the body in order for us to actually take some time to allow that momentum of all of the shit we've consumed throughout our lives to actually slow down, to pause, in order for us to be able to rewrite them. I think there's a baseline of vanilla, this kind of, and I'm just using the word vanilla to give context to a more soft and sensual and a gentle form of uh, sex and intimacy that I think is actually really important to establish. And that may take some time to establish that. That might take three months with the person you're with, six months, a year. But it's about helping and supporting each other's nervous systems and establishing a baseline of safety where both people feel like, you really, really care about me. You really, really fully see me. And that takes time to recalibrate to, especially if the partner has had experiences where that wasn't where that wasn't what they experienced there needs to be a baseline established of safety of slowness of sensuality because that's when we rush that part we haven't established that where it's like there's deep respect here somebody that really loves and cherishes me and values me beyond my body that's how we get these experiences where I mentioned earlier that are just, we're trauma bonding, where 
We're keeping ourselves looped in these old painful experiences that we've had in the past because we're not taking the time to actually choose partners that value us, that see us, that really cherish us beyond sex. And so that is our responsibility as individuals to choose partners that have that interest and that willingness to take the time. Like it really takes patience to establish that. And when we explore and bring forward these other aspects of ourselves that are much darker in their essence, we can feel more safe to actually explore that because we know we're not exploiting our vulnerability. These are spaces which that vulnerability will be nourished, will be uh, supported and encouraged for both people. So I invite you, if anything that I've shared resonated with you, and let's say you're single right now, I invite you to explore in a safe environment. And I feel not through the use of porn, but actually through getting to know your own body, just getting curious about your needs, uh, getting curious about your own personal fantasies, taking the time to actually explore that. And if you've been in a space in your life where a lot of these parts of yourself have been caged in shame by other people's projections, then take the time to actually bring acceptance, bring embrace, uh, bring a sense of understanding and a sense of curiosity to these parts of yourself because they hold wisdom, they hold power, and they also carry a lot of your healing as well. And if you're in partnership at this time, then I deeply, deeply encourage if you feel like you're a person that wants to ravish or wants to be ravished and you're not really making space for that in your partnership, what is a way you can vulnerably communicate and openly create room for ravishment, for these dark aspects of yourself to feel fulfilled, to feel seen, and for your partner to experience them as well? So that is my call to action for you is to really, really take the time to just explore this for yourself. If anything here resonated uh, and you might have noticed maybe some of your resistance to some of the things that we've talked about today and just taking the time to really explore that, what, what that means for you when you think about dark sexual fantasies, what comes up for you. But they're there. I, I honestly feel they're there. Um, I've seen that meme with Will Smith um, shaking uh, Marilyn Manson's hand uh, and it's Will Smith has this tag of a healthy relationship and Marilyn Manson has this tag of all of my darkest, nastiest fantasies. And so this is a perfect, perfect meme because it really speaks to a desire that I feel a lot of us have where we want to be in a loving, healthy relationship and then have the freedom to push our own boundaries, to explore these different textures of ourselves in a loving and safe environment. So I'll end the episode here. Thank you so much for tuning in. If any of this resonated with you uh, and you have some takeaways, um, feel free to share them with me via Instagram, 
and if you've been enjoying my recent episodes, feel free to leave me a review. And so with that, I'm going to wish you a beautiful rest of your day and a beautiful rest of your evening. And I'll see you on the next one. Peace.